Many of us have been following undoubtedly all of the events out in Ukraine, uh, Russian war that has been going on from uh, the spring of this year. One of, I think, the most horrendous parts of it have been whole villages have been taken captive and people have been transported uh, away to various parts of Russia. And likewise, uh, the uh, Ukrainians have taken many Russians who have invaded their land captive. But what really struck me about it was it's the merchandise that is made of people. And those people that have been evacuated from certain parts of Ukraine at the present time by the Russians under the pretense that they're being saved, as it were, from uh, the recapturing of their parts by the Ukrainian army, they will be held as captives by the Russians and there will be negotiations made over those individuals, those men, those women, those boys and girls, and they're held captive. And they will be made merchandise of. And they will not be let go until agreements are made and until exchanges are made and release, releases are made. There is a, a great hostage crisis out there and it involves literally thousands and thousands of people. And before that war comes to an end and peace once again is re-established in that land, those hostages are going to have to be released and sent back to their homeland once again. What a day that will be when they have to come back home once again. There's another hostage crisis that Paul speaks of here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. And it doesn't make the BBC news. It doesn't make uh, Fox News. It doesn't make any news headlines across the world. And yet it is a crisis of momentous importance and one that spans not just time, but one that spans the great divide of eternity itself. Because this verse is speaking of those that are taken captive by the devil at his will. The verse is alternatively translated, taken alive by the devil at his will. Prisoners taken alive by the enemy in this war that Satan wages against God and against his creation. There's a great battle going on and Satan is battling and he is battling to take literally captive the souls of men and women, those that are in rebellion against God. And they're the devil's hostages. They are his powerless prisoners. And every son and daughter of Adam's fallen race in their fallen rebellion against God, they are held not by the freedom of their own will, but they're held in the vice of Satan and in Satan's grip and in his power. So tonight in our time around the word of God, we want to look with you just of the implications of this hostage crisis. How can these souls of men and women, of multitudes, of legions right across the world, how can their captivity be broken? How can they be liberated and set free? What army will we send in to liberate them and to set them free? I want to remind you first of all, that those that are held captive, they are slaves to the worst kind of taskmaster. Uh, I would that the unconverted would get this into their mind. But this is a devastating truth. You need to awake to the truth tonight, to this truth. 
You need to awake to the truth that you're in the snare of the, the devil. In the snare of the devil. You could be in a Sunday evening service. You can be all in your Sunday best. And yet your heart and your soul is held in the grip of sin and Satan. And in the power of hell itself. They are slaves to this evil spirit. This one who now works in the children of disobedience. We've been reading much and, and, and looking much uh, about the, from the book of Ephesians over the past week. And in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and 2, easily remembered, it said, Paul's looking back at the, the, the testimony of the Christians there in the church at Ephesus, and he says concerning them, In time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that now worketh in the children of disobedience. As I've been saying over the past weeks, none of us are left in a spiritual void. You're either in the camp of God or in the camp of Satan. And if the spirit of God is not working in your heart and life, it is that spirit of Satan himself that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And you, dear Christian, you're going to have to go out and meet those this week in your work, perhaps in your home, perhaps in your office, perhaps in the, the factory floor, in the work floor, on the building site, at school, wherever it is, you're going to have to meet those. And they're held in the grip of sin and Satan. And remember that it is the spirit of Satan who works in their hearts. That's a sobering reality. That reminds us that we're in a battle. The cause of man's rebellion against God, of course, is his own corrupt nature. And it is attributed, that ensnarement is attributed to the exercises of sin and Satan. The ungodly are willing serfs of sin and Satan and are subject to his own will. We should not be blind to the fact that we see the driving power behind the forces that pervades the world today. All the forces that we see, as it were, leveled against us. We see all of these uh, uh, forces are red across our land today. We see the clamour, the clamour for abortion. We looked at it when it was, the referendum was held down in the Republic of Ireland and we stood aghast when people with banners, they, they rejoiced that now they could legally Legally, without any retribution from the law, the state could now legally kill children. And we thought it will never happen up here. We never thought it would happen here without even one vote being taken of one person, of one MLA, of one member of parliament. The devil's busy. The ungodly are slaves. But I want you to remember they are but a slave to him. Who is under God's control. They are under Ham's curse. In Genesis 9.25. We read a servant of servants. Shall he be. They are slaves to him. Who is but a slave and a vassal to God. Satan is not. Sometimes as Christians we have this idea. That Satan as it were. Is an unlimited monarch. In the world. In, in, uh, in opposition to God. He's nothing of the sort. He's under the divine decree of God. 
He does not have the highest authority which belongs to God alone. He's merely a tyrant which God uh, permits to exercise his evil in this world. John Calvin put it very profoundly. What is Satan but God's executioner to punish man's ingratitude? Satan is God's executioner to punish man's ingratitude. We do not ascribe to him the attributes of deity, but let's not underestimate, please do not underestimate the tyranny that he can inflict on individuals and those that are held in his dark kingdom. The ungodly are slaves to the one who has their destruction in mind. He is a malicious spirit. The devil doesn't care about any of his captives. There's no charter. There's no UN charter, no Geneva charter that regulates what goes on in the camp of sin and Satan. It matters not how far poor, darkened, benighted souls go down. The devil will want to put them down further. And when their lives are all coming apart at the seam, and when they seemingly have lost all and life is over, they imagine that then they will have peace. Their unsaved one, let me say to you, it's only beginning when life is over. The character of this taskmaster is frightening. This foul fiend of hell. What does he have in his objective? Your ruin. Your ruin in time and your ruin eternally. Your ruin. He is out to ruin your soul. He is a hard taskmaster. Let me suggest to you how sinners are snared by the devil's treachery and by his wiles. How, how does he captive people? How, how does he capture people? <clears throat> Some are uh, hailed and ensnared by the satanic influence that he has upon their mind. You mightn't think that Satan has an influence upon the mind of the unconverted, but he does. We don't like to admit those truths, but he does. In, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, we read about the God of this world. Who's that? Satan. Ephesians 2 and 2, the prince of the power of the air. And what has he done? He's blinded the minds of them which believe not. He has blinded them. He has so influenced, so infiltrated their mind, their thinking. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We know that Satan cannot read hearts because that power belongs unto the Lord alone. But he does read our actions. It's as if, because he, he, remember, he was there at creation. He has long experience. He can read man's actions and he can blind and he can baffle the mind and he can manipulate thoughts and, and desires to suit his own wicked purposes. And that manipulation, that's blinding of the mind is never with a, a righteous purchase in mind, purpose in mind. It is always with unrighteousness in mind, with the destruction of the soul in mind. He's out to get your soul. He's out to destroy your soul. I want to warn you, 
tonight again about the subtlety of sin and Satan. What a snare he sets. Others are snared in his evil net by by false religion. We thought this morning uh, of Mary Olatry. And here in, in Ireland, we know both in Northern Ireland and in Southern Ireland, just the, the multitudes that are ensnared by Romanism and Mariolatry. Uh, and we think it's so strange that uh, we should pray to a woman, a, a mere woman, that we should pray to one through a rosary bead, that we should think that we go through the gate of heaven through Mary. But there are multitudes, there are millions across this world tonight who in total sincerity and faith believe all of that because they've been blinded. They've been ensnared. There are so many who reject the authority of the Bible and if you reject the authority of the Bible then you will accept other authority. And that's why you can accept the authority of Popery. You can accept the authority of human tradition and of the teaching of the fathers. You can accept the authority of those Eastern mystical religions, the Hinduism, with all of its great pantheon, pantheon of gods, millions of gods that are in Hinduism and Buddhism. You can accept all of that. Dear brethren and sisters, put all of this together uh, and you'll see, yes, religion has ensnared more people than anybody else. False religion has ensnared more people than anybody else. Verse 2 of Ephesians 2 speaks about the course of this world, the manner of the world, the culture of the world, the way of the world, the, the, the customs of the world. And we have to lament, as our own country, more and more departs from the Christian influences of bygone generations. We see that the course of the world is so divorced and so removed from the law of God and from the, the, the legacy, the godly legacy that this land once had. Heathenism now, heathenism now influences this land that we live in. Our land, our own little land has gone back to medieval paganism. The devil has snared others by a love and, and Paul talks about it in Hebrews. Go to first, sorry, first Timothy. First Timothy chapter six. There, there are many people who have a, 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 an overwhelming love. It tells us here, first Timothy chapter six, verse nine and ten. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Now, as others have said, it's not money itself. But there's a very few, there's a very, very few tiny minority that have lots of money and can work with it without loving it. They know how to work with it to make a living, to make a profit, and then they can leave it. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And what sorrows of heart, what greed, what destruction has been brought to countless lives through the love of money. That's why this old world, it has been stripped of its resources. Why? 
Do men need all the resources that they're using? No, it's just the love of profit, the love of money. And the devil entraps the multitudes with it. Ephesians 2 and 3 mentions another snare that the devil sets uh, to entrap people. We read in Ephesians 2 and verse 3, <clears throat> Among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The lusts of the flesh. There we speak about it in such a, a mixed multitude. The old-fashioned biblical concept of, of old, just old-fashioned biblical morality is frowned upon today. And there's such a mixture of things going on in the world today. And it's encouraged and it's promoted and it's acceptable. But it's just the lust of the flesh. And thousands have been ensnared by it. And thus we have what is known today as the permissive society. The permissive society is in the snare of sin and Satan. All of those captives, they're all voluntary. They've given themselves over to it. And I want to say to you, the more you give yourself over to it, the greater the control it will have over you. The ungodly are left without excuse. They're subject to the devil's treachery. They're rebels uh, against almighty God. They're those who refuse to yield to the authority of scripture themselves. And yet they cling on to this cruel, heartless monster. Uh, but I want to conclude by saying that sinners can be delivered and saved from this tyranny. It was for this purpose that the Lord Jesus Christ came. Uh, that's why we meet to preach the gospel week by week. Because we're here to announce the good news. That's why he came. At the start of his public ministry, Jesus declared in Luke's gospel chapter 4 and verse 18 the spirit of the Lord is upon me quoting Isaiah 61 because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me to heal the broken hearted to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised here we have liberty in Jesus here we have the captives being delivered they're being delivered. And those that are blinded by sin and Satan, they're being given sight. We have a message of deliverance. Dear Christian, take it this week. Take it out from this building and sow it. And tell those that you come into contact with, there's one who can break the chains that bind. Don't tell them all of this psychological babble. Tell them there's one that can break the chains that bind. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the very reason for why he came. And how did he free the slaves of Satan? How did he set them free? Again, the Bible is very clear. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Through the death of Christ, he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them. What wonderful deliverances Christ wrought at Calvary. 
He destroyed the power of Satan. He destroyed the power that Satan has on the hold that he has on the hearts of the multitudes. And in his death there is life. What a wonderful gospel message we have to proclaim. And in this respect, brethren and sisters, Christ is the only one, is the only one who can set the captive free. And he's done all that's necessary to set the captive free. And it is possible for you to be saved from that ensnarement, from, from that trap. I was reading in the past week those lovely words of Psalm 124. And we often sing that wonderful psalm. We like to think this is the, the free Presbyterian psalm. But it's the psalm of all who know the song of the soul set free. And we read in Psalm 124, verse 7. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Bird snaring really is a horrible sport. A horrible thing to be engaged in. But years ago people, that, that's, that's how they caught their, 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 their meat. They snared the birds. And that's just what the psalmist said. Our soul is like a bird that's in the snare of the fowlers. But our soul is escaped. And how does the soul escape? Through Christ's death. Through Christ's victory. Through Christ's triumph on our behalf. And Christ, he has come to set the captive free. It tells us here in the text, 2 Timothy 2.26, that they recovered themselves out of the snare of the devil. It literally means that they've awakened. It's like the drunken man, he's out, out for the count, but suddenly he's awakened. The trumpet sounds, the light is dawn, and he's awakened. And he's no longer a servant to sin. He's no longer a slave to sin. He's awakened. He's been set free. That's the gospel we preach. That's the message we believe. Now let me ask you this evening, have you believed it unto the saving of your soul? Can you say tonight truly, the chains have been broken? It's a wonderful thing to say that the chains have been broken. Wesley wrote in that hymn we, we sang earlier on, Long my imprisoned spirit lay. That's a great thing for an Arminian to say, isn't it? Fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. That's the glorious message of the glorious gospel. I pray that light will shine into your heart this evening if you know not Christ as your saviour. That the prison cell will be flooded with the light of the gospel. That you will know with assurance that your soul has escaped. Can you say it going out through that front door tonight? My soul has escaped. I'm sure of it. My soul has escaped the devil's snare. And if you can't say it, get it right tonight. Young or old, get it right tonight. And if I can be of any help to anyone as you leave the meeting, you want to talk with me further, just say so. I'm always here after the meeting and I'm here to help. And wherever counsel is needed, 